You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, it's that time of year where we are trying to organize and prep and plan for the upcoming season, and some of the gear that we use takes batteries. Now, you should go visit your local Interstate Battery store or visit interstatebatteries.com to check out all the different varieties of batteries that they offer. They have truck batteries. They have batteries for your trail cameras. They have batteries for your range finder and everything else that is electronic that you use for your hunting equipment. They have batteries for that. Interstatebatteries.com. Awesome company. Check them out. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Check out vortexoptics.com for a bunch of kick-ass shit. Let's see here. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Ben Personaire out of Michigan, who ever since he was 14 has been taking trips out west to hunt elk. The dude harvested his first elk when he was 14, then again a handful of years later, and then last year he goes on this trip with his dad where he... Uh, hammers a elk in Wyoming and then a couple days later another elk in Colorado so um, I just want to say I really hate this dude because I've been going out I went I've been out for three different elk trips and in or two actually this year will be the, my third one and the closest I guess aside from one encounter the closest elk that i've ever seen is like 200 yards away so um this dude is on top of his game already at the age of like 22 or 24 he's in his early 20s and uh, i'm a little bit jealous i must say uh, hopefully i change that going into this upcoming season but I tell you what, he's got it figured out, and the cool thing about this, and you'll hear this in the podcast, is his dad has been purchasing preference points for him ever since he was a little kid, and so now his dad 
and him can go on these epic great hunts uh you know he's cashing in 11 or so points you know buying buying him when he was starts like six or seven years old and starts buying him preference points and uh, now he, here he is early 20s doing some of these hunts that some guys are only going to be able to do maybe maybe two times in their entire life and and uh he's drawing this when he's 22 and he might be able to do it you know two or three maybe even four more times before it's all said and done so really awesome podcast about uh, uh, a young man who's going out west and getting it done and hearing uh, the story of that so uh, that's what today's podcast is about now if you like awesome tree stands you need to go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers I need all of you guys to go and visit that lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers and the reason why I need you to go check that out is because and when I say nine fingers it's the number nine followed by the word fingers lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash number nine fingers and uh, sign up for the Nine Finger Chronicles giveaway, right? We're giving out, uh, let's see, August 1st, September 1st, and October 1st. So we're giving away three more tree stands. Uh, and here's how you do it, right? We, you, you go to Lone Wolf Hunting Products slash Nine Fingers. You enter your first name, you enter your last name, you enter your email address, you submit it, and that enters your email address into the drawing. Now, what I do is at random, um, towards the beginning of every month, I go in and I pick a winner, and that winner uh, gets uh, a tree stand of their choice, a climber, a hang-on, or a set of four sticks. Uh, Casey Witt was July's winner, so congrats to, to Casey. And when you submit this, you automatically get a discount code, right? And that discount code will save you $50 on all purchases over 120 bucks. Now, a Lone Wolf Tree Stand, or excuse me, $199. So, a Lone Wolf Tree Stand is roughly, you know, $225, you know, $250, depending on which one you get. You cut $50 bucks off that. It's like a 20%, uh, somewhere around 20% discount. Uh, that's a pretty good discount, right? And that discount code is 9FC50. Um, I'll just go ahead and give it to you. Now, hopefully you guys followed that. I know it was all over the place there. But uh, go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers and enter to win one of the most badass tree stands on the market. Uh, American made too, by the way. So uh, take that into consideration. Other than that, a couple more housekeeping things. Please Go subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you download your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever. It's everywhere. So uh, just search for it and you'll find it. Subscribe to it. Then it will come automatically. Or you can subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation podcast as well. And you'll get not only the Nine Finger Chronicles, but you'll get all of them. It's just two different RSS feeds. One is just nine fingers and the other one has all of the white tail content. It's Sportsman's Nation white tail, right? That's where most of them are. Other than that, 
ba 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 ba. Check out the the new film tradition. It's on YouTube. It's on the Sportsman's Nation Facebook page, and it's on the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page. Go watch it. Uh, it's an awesome film about turkey hunting that um, we produced, and uh, I'm very happy with it. Uh, I've been saying uh, a lot, and I hate it when people do that, so I think I'm just going to cut it short. Let's get into today's kick-ass, badass Friday podcast. Crack a beer and listen to this one. Unless you're on your way to work, then wait until you get home from work to crack the beer. But anyway... Ben Personair out of Michigan. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Ben Personair. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Dan? Can't complain. Can't complain at all. Uh, it's hot in Iowa right now. What's it like in Michigan? Uh, I think it reached 90 today. It was, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, I am not a fan of, like, I don't care if it's hot. You know, if it's one of those days where I don't need to be clean, I guess you could say if, if I'm if I'm going to be outside working or doing something active it's, and it's OK to sweat. But when I have to go to like some kind of special occasion, like a wedding or something like mm-hmm. going out to dinner with the wife or something like that, and then you're just dripping sweat all over the place. Uh, it's a bit disgusting, but I'm to the age now where I guess I don't care anymore. <laughs> right yeah all right yep. so what part of michigan are you from man from uh western michigan just uh west of grand rapids a little ways okay. so yeah that's where i've been where i was born that's where i grew up and yeah been hunting around in michigan my whole life and how far yeah that's best how far are you from lake michigan uh, about uh 15, 20 miles or so. Okay. I, uh, I've visited, let's see, I've visited, what's that, uh, Grand Haven a couple times up there uh, yep. for the Coast Guard <laughs> Festival. Oh, yeah, it can get rowdy sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty fun. That's pretty fun up there. Uh, what, do you, <laughs> uh, what do you do for a living? I'm a machine builder at a company. We make food-grade equipment. So any type of food processing, um, we make equipment that helps with that. And uh, so I do a lot of welding and a lot of fabbing and stuff like that. Okay. It can be pretty fun until 90 degrees out. (laughs) Too hot to weld. Yeah. Right. So did you go to like a trade school or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. They sent me to school. Yeah. My work did. So I've been going to school. I'm taking classes. I've completed a bunch of classes and I don't know, they just keep sending me to school. So I just keep taking classes. Right. So was this something like right out of high school, you, yeah, like a company pursued you or how, how did that work? Cause most, most kids um, go to college. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about going to college and, um, then my, uh, dad's friend said, Hey, how about a uh, Ben works for this company? And my dad's friend was actually the salesman for our company yeah so yeah i just uh it seems a little more interesting than uh sitting behind a desk and uh going into piling up a bunch of debt for uh student loans so yeah i've been there for almost it'll be five years in september yeah and really the only thing that you're missing out in is in college is i don't know like partying 
But if you're yeah. if, you, if you're in the quote unquote adult world, you can still do that on the weekends, most of the weekends. Yeah, I, I uh, work Saturday, most Saturday mornings. I try to, so I have to keep it tame on Friday nights. But uh, yeah, last couple of Fridays I've been or Saturdays I haven't been working, so I can stay out late Fridays. But there you go, there you go. Yeah, well, that's pretty smart. You know, that's what I'm going to tell my kids to do is go to some kind of trade school or find a, a company that's going to pay, you know, pay for it and uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, go straight into something. Because you think about it, I'm here. I am 38 and I, I'm still my wife and I are still paying student loans that equal like uh, I'm going to say three hundred and fifty dollars a month between the two of us. Oh, dang. Yeah. So that's <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to go all the way back. Um, have you always lived in Michigan? Yeah. I was born in uh, Zealand. Okay. All right. But, yeah. Pretty close to the lake. All right. And um, have, were you born into an outdoors family, like hunting and fishing in the whole nine yards? Yeah. My dad, um, pretty hardcore into it and my dad's dad uh didn't do it at all but for some reason my dad just picked it up and he loved it and he's been uh taking me and i have an older brother and he's been dragging us along ever since we could walk and uh um yeah for for too long he was dragging us up into tree stands and be beaver trapping since we were i don't know since we could walk, we could we were going beaver trapping with them, and that kind of that kind of petered out as uh, bird prices went down. But um, yeah, we've been doing stuff outside as long as I can since I've been walking, basically. Right. And and how old are you now? Twenty four. Twenty four. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, fourteen years younger than me. I think, I don't know, I wonder, I, there, I actually had like a 14-year-old on the podcast once. Uh, he was with his dad, and he, he talked uh, with his dad, but you might be 24, I'm not sure, it might be one of the youngest uh, people I've ever had on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, my buddy Blake is somewhere around there too when you had him on. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right, that's I, right. Oh, yeah. Your buddy re- reached yeah. out uh, to me, and he was like, hey man, you need to get my my other uh yeah <laughs> my buddy on he's a uh, he he kills yeah. a lot of animals so with your job yeah, with your with your job do you get a lot of uh time off to go hunt throughout uh, the year no. no me and uh actually me and my boss were discussing that today um because i had the first two weeks of september off and because i got two weeks technically that i can take off and uh he's like so that uh, Sunday, right? You can uh, fly out to Canada that that uh, Sunday, right? After the, my two weeks are up, like, uh, like, uh, hopefully I can be back by that time. But I don't know. We'll we have to figure that out. I'm hoping to take a couple more days off because, uh, yeah, I'm. I should should mention I'm going out west again this year and trying to just spend two weeks out there is kind of hard. But yeah. Um, yeah, two weeks is what they allow me. I think they will give me a little bit more time just because I've been there for five years. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see what this year brings. So you spend all of your vacation 
going out yes yeah. <laughs> yeah the past uh two two years has been that okay yep. yeah that's basically what i did as well i mean at the end of my cubicle days um before i got laid off i i was accumulating five weeks of vacation and uh let's see three of it was pretty much dedicated to a western trip and uh Let's see, three of it was a western trip and two weeks for the whitetail rut here in Iowa. And then, um, you know, the others was, oh, man, I'm sick or I tur- like turkey hunting took mm-hmm. a couple days and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't take yeah, any vacation time during the rut? Um, No, I haven't in the past um, two years. I In 2016, I took... A week and two days in the rut because I had an Iowa tag. Gotcha. Um, but other than that, I don't. The thing about uh, Michigan, we don't really have the biggest deer out, so uh, <laughs> I'd rather just take the vacation out out west where it's you know where there's bulls bugling and I don't know, it's a little bit more fun. I I had one year where I did save um, like one or two days for the rut, and I just was like. I, seen so many people and it's like what am i doing i should have <laughs> gonna stayed out and out west a little bit longer yeah so you you do you've kind of gr- grown up turkey hunting deer hunting fishing it looks like you do some waterfowl hunting as well but yeah yeah mm-hmm. your passion it the, seems the- has kind of shifted towards the west why is that um I'd, I'd say my passion has always kind of been the West. It's just been, I've just been taken a little bit more seriously the past couple of years. Um, my dad, we have a bunch of pictures of my dad when he was younger with like plaid and shooting big aluminum arrows and sitting behind his, you know, big elk. And that's something that I've always, always looked up to and, we actually this past weekend watched a film called Elk Fever. I don't know if too many people have heard about that, but it's with Larry D. Jones and Dwight Shue, and we're just kind of reminiscing about that because it's that's a video that I kind of grew up on. And it's a, once you get enough vacation time and um, you know of um, school, then you can finally go do it. Yeah. So, um, I guess your passion then, you've seen your dad, he was an outdoorsman too, right? So he, he was taking the trips, all those trips and you saw that he was doing that and you saw that, I guess he was getting enjoyment out of it. Then did you start going with him or was this something that just happened recently and you kind of started going on your own? It's, um, basically well my dad's been with me every time i've been out west and i should mention that i was me and my brothers muzzleloader tags in new mexico when i was 12 and he was 14 and somehow we drew those tags and that was like and we went out west and then we didn't go out west for 10 years i think and then then we then i've been going out west for the past um, two years elk hunting, and then Iowa was the year before that. And I don't really know if you consider Iowa 
out west, but for us in Michigan, yeah, it's right. kind of west. Right. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a western state, but uh, you no. know, as far as you know, other mm-hmm. big game species. But um, so you were were you twelve or were you fourteen when you went out with that muzzleloader tag for the first time? I was 12 and my brother was 14 and I remember sitting by, by the old computer and it was like, oh great, Joey drew a tag. It's like, oh great, Ben drew a tag but a different unit. So it was like, okay, what are we going to do? So um, we went out, there. my dad and my mom went out to uh, New Mexico and they scouted both of our units and then my brother and I flew out there with my grandpa and then so the opening day we had to split and for the hunt the next or the next morning and uh yeah so my brother ended up killing a bull the first day then i ended up killing a bull the second day and uh but it's a five-day hunt that uh youth hunt is so you kind of have to you know really get after it and uh we were fortunate enough to both come home with bulls that year and yeah and we haven't made it out since like my brother this year will be his first time back out elk hunting since that happened. So, yeah. So you killed your first, you're from Michigan. You killed your first elk when you were 14, 12, 12. Okay. Okay. You're the younger, younger one. Okay. So when you were 12 years old, um, what was, what was that like? Walk us through that story. All right. Yeah. So obviously, we had to separate. And so my dad and I went to this different unit in the rental car and it was just, it's, um, just loads and miles and miles of just washboard gravel road. And I mean, you're, you're going for hours and hours way back in there. And the first morning we got onto some bulls and, um, we just kept getting closer and closer to him down this ridge. And then Finally, we heard this bull bugle, and he was so far off, so we're like, all right, we're just going to over for some uh, water tonight. Well, we didn't see anything over that water hole, and that's really, really effective in New Mexico um, to sit over water holes just because there's not a whole lot of water around. And uh, we didn't see anything the first night. Um, the second morning, we got into another bull, and we were getting close. Like I was waiting for this bull to pop out. I had the shooting forks ready. And then you'd hear him bugle a little ways further. And it is like any moment this bull is going to pop out. And then all of a sudden we jump a bunch of mule deer and they take off and they take the whole elk herd with them too. And so, um, we didn't get anything that morning. And then the second evening we, uh, had to actually go into town. So we had to go to this, one part of the unit and we're like, you know, we don't have time to, um, go way back in. So we'll just, we'll just sit on this one little water hole that, uh, is not too far back in. So we sat over it at, um, the second evening. And so, yeah, I had the muzzleloader, um, and my dad was sitting right next to me and we were sitting about 80 yards off from this water hole. And as soon as the sun got, below the mountains a little bit and it started getting a little bit darker we started hearing footsteps coming down the side side of the mountain and uh it was about eight cows and right behind them was a nice little five by five and my dad's like all right don't shoot a cow <laughs> and so uh this five by five comes into the water hole 
and I I seen a cow's back and um in my scope in hindsight I probably should have waited but I mean I was 12 years old and my dad but has just like don't shoot a cow and I I shot over a cow's back and you know muzzleloader you, you see uh all you see is smoker right after you shoot yeah and well all, all the elk are just standing there and my dad just rips the gun out of my hands and get another bullet in there because he thinks I missed the cows take off that bull still standing there and uh, he's jamming another bullet in there and this bull is just sitting there and all of a sudden it just takes a couple steps and just and the the bull tips over and yeah it was it was crazy and um yeah I had a nice nice five by five it was not a not a giant but it's you know for 12 years old I was I was really really <laughs> pumped about that obviously i think the uh the best yeah the best part was uh my brother and my mom and my grandpa they had about a two mile pack out um for his bull and uh my uh my bull we just drove the car right up to it and put all the meat and antlers inside and yeah had a no pack out whatsoever so that was kind of nice yeah obviously and, that, yeah, that's we, pretty cool that after, yeah then after nice big bull and stuff, and then uh, then we meet up with my brother, and that turkey that first first evening was sitting over a water hole, and so I'm ready to show my brother these big antlers that I got, and then I go up and see the seven by seven he killed, and I was like, uh bad. And I could I could take my antlers and fit them inside of his. Wow. <laughs> was this a yeah, public he, land? Uh, was this like a public land unit or was this on like a, a ranch or something? Cause it sounds like there, yep. you guys got into the bulls real, really well. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was completely public land. No, no guide. And this was the first year New Mexico had the youth muzzleloader hunt. So I don't think too many people knew about it. So yeah, bo- me and my brother both drew this tag and for the, for these units and um i never drew that youth hunt again and then i actually had a friend of mine draw the youth hunt i think he shot a four by four or something but um yeah we i've never drew that unit again and i think i tried the next I forget what how what they consider a youth is but until i wasn't a youth anymore i tried for it and never never drew it and uh yeah never drew that unit until um uh, that was t- 2007. Um, flash forward to 2017, so 10 years later, um, I seen uh, Born and Raised Outdoors put some post on Instagram. They're like, oh, who drew New Mexico? I'm like, oh, I'll just check New Mexico. And I uh, put in for the same unit, just archery. And it's like, I don't know, it, I forget what it was that year, what the chances of me drawing it. I think it was like, I don't know six or eight percent or something and i've been putting in most years when i can remember and uh it just says the unit and it's green i'm like hey dad uh did you have a unit and it was green or he's like no i had a red and it said unsuccessful i'm like goodness gracious i drew the, i drew the same unit um that i went 10 years ago just with a bow tag um yeah the first the first season the september one through 14 so yeah we we actually had mule deer tags um we planned on mule deer hunting in colorado that year 
but we had to kind of forfeit those and uh we actually didn't get our money back but um you either save your points or you save your money and i'd rather save the points because we had quite a few points for these mule deer tags so we had to hand those in and um go after new mexico elk and yeah i brought my dad with me and uh one second. Yeah, that was one second here. Um, is New Mexico a lottery state? Right, they're not a preference point state, right? So you can no, they're not. the the guy who's been yeah. applying for a unit for twenty years has the same uh, chance as a guy who's applying for it for one year, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I almost I almost hate to say it. Um, yeah, New Mexico at. Put, you have just as good of a chance of drawing that your first year of putting in as somebody that's been putting in for 20 years. So, wow. I mean, it's something that I put in for every year, even though the the unit, the chance of drawing are not that great, but I always just kind of put in every year just because you can get into some pretty, pretty good elk hunting. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, uh, you got drawn on the, the same exact, uh, same exact unit uh with a different weapon mm-hmm. with a bow now uh yep. when you're making your plan to go back out there were you and your dad planning on going back to the same area that you were at before yep and my dad actually knew a couple guys from west michigan that hunted that same unit so i talked to them as well and um you know they the ch- when the chance of drawing a unit are so hard to draw people are a little bit more um easy to give up their give up a spot or two just to you know draw some circles on a map or something so yeah we had a couple other circles on the map besides where i hunted so that kind of helped out right um yeah yeah so that was 2017 this time you're going back with a different weapon did you have uh i mean were you pretty confident that if you had a you know because hunting with a gun and hunting with a uh, a bow or two completely different things. Uh, when you, you know, when you got out there, did you feel confident with your archery tackle or were you just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, I felt pretty confident. I mean, I shoot fairly often and, um, yeah, shooting pretty long ranges and had a fairly decently heavy arrow set up with a, um, pretty good broadhead. So I was pretty confident with it and I, I, um, pretty confident that I could, you know, blow through an elk. Got you. Um, so, yeah. uh, so when you got out there, uh, what's the terrain like in New Mexico? I don't know if I've ever had anybody on the, on the, uh, podcast talk about elk in New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like, I mean, if, all the elk hunters, like I've heard of people that have hunted elk for years and years, and this one, New Mexico's super fun, just because they, they got mountains, but it's not like snow-capped peaks like Colorado. Like you go to Colorado, it's just giant, and yeah. uh, it's it's big country. It's almost more wild because you're so so far away. Like the nearest, like if, if something were to go bad out there say like you get bit by a snake which almost happened um you you're not going to get back to a hospital for another 
once you reach the vehicle, you're not going to get back for another four to six hours or so. Where I guess there's certain places in Colorado you could probably um, get that far back in as well. But New Mexico, um, you can get far back um, as far as just roads go. But um, yeah, yeah, the terrain the terrain isn't so up and down. It's more I want to say hilly because coming from Michigan, it's it's pretty much mountains compared to Michigan. But yeah, it's um, got a lot of a lot of pines and a lot of junipers, and um, a lot of um, not a whole lot of water. So when you do find water, you better better be close to it because generally there's a herd of elk nearby. Yeah. So water is kind of a key strategy point. Yeah, unless unless if it uh my dad's been out there where it's just downpoured the whole time and he says the elk just poof, they spread out and it, it can be almost a nightmare because I don't think the elk density out in New Mexico is quite like the other states but um yeah, if you find some water you can definitely get into them if if water is scarce. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you get, you get back out there for your, uh, for your archery hunt. And, uh, how did that turn out for you? Walk us through that, uh, that trip. All right. Yeah. We, uh, the, we had a buddy tell us to just glass off of this high knoll. So the night before we were just right by the truck, the night before the season started, we were just right by the truck and, I actually glassed up a pretty big bull um, right at dark. And it was one of those things like just makes you go, ooh. And uh, it was, we had a truck right there on this knoll. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the only one here because we're like the only road going back into this area. And there was a little five by five with them and a spike and some cows. So I'm like, just, and I actually, the weird thing is I had cell coverage. So I'm telling all my buddies like, Ooh, I'm going to get on this bull tomorrow and try to kill him. And long story short, the next morning I found that five by five, little other little bull in the cows. And I could not find that big bull. I don't know what happened. Um, we're pretty close to private. So maybe he went on there. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that morning, didn't get anything. And then in the afternoon, we're like, well, let's go drive over to where I killed that bull in 2007. So we drive down there and go all the way to this tank. And legally in New Mexico, you can't park on a tank. Um, for those of you that don't know, a water hole in the tank are the same thing. Like people out there will call them tanks. When I think of tank, I think of like some big, metal thing but any water hole is a tank and so we drive back there and then we ask quarter mile to see if we can sit on this uh water hole that evening and we get back there and there's a dodge pickup parked like 20 feet away from the water and there's three guys having lunch right there because they were going to hunt that this that night and it's like great and these guys were just talking this like no big deal and talking with it like as loud as I'm talking right now. And I'm just like, okay, they blew whatever elk out of here. And so, uh, we went to a different area that may have had some water and turned out it had too much water cause there was a Creek going through there. So I was, uh, planning on sitting on this 
um, water hole that I could see on a map. Well, didn't really work out when there's water through this whole canyon. So we just kind of hiked around in glass and just listened for bugles that evening. And I went to pull up my binoculars and look across this valley. And um, I, I was thinking to myself, hmm, I'm going to kind of crouch down next to this log a little bit and, you know, rest my binoculars uh, with my elbows on my knees for stability. And all of a sudden I hear a and I, I just jump up and my eyes got huge. I look over at my dad and he's like, is that a rattlesnake? I'm like, it sounded like it, but <laughs> I don't want to go check. Then yeah, it was no doubt in my mind a rattlesnake was sitting underneath that log I almost sat on. So I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I jumped up so quick. And uh, after that, I was just so, so paranoid about stepping on a, a rattlesnake the whole rest of the time. So yeah, we didn't. We actually seen a cow and two calves that night, and um, right at dark. And then we hiked back um, in the dark. And uh, so the next, so we were kind of contemplating what we should do that morning because um, the second morning we were kind of bouncing ideas off each other, and we had um, one guy tell me that this one that a certain area of the unit he seen a fair amount of bulls in and so he's like yeah you got to go check this out i'm like well it's by the time we get back there it's going to be like one or so one in the morning and uh we said you know what what the heck we'll we'll just try it never been to this place at all before so we drive out to this main gravel road head down this gravel road for a while and then we pull up into this two track well, if we go to this two track and the first probably five miles of this two track, there's an elk camp, there's another elk camp, there's another elk camp. And it, we're just like, great. And then, um, then it got to where it was the two track kind of was hardly a two track anymore. And I think there's, there's, I think there's still pieces of my dad's running board from his <laughs> truck laying out there because bottomed out his truck so bad, so many times. And I don't, I don't think people realize like how bad it is um, just hitting rocks and stuff. And it, um, yeah, there, we did a number on his truck on that trip in there. And so, yeah, we sure enough, we got in there to kind of where I want this ridge that I wanted to hunt. And I just basically, this one guy said this, these, um, this mountain range, not really mountain range, but you know, this, this group of ridges and I just basically picked one and we were like, all right, we're going to hike up here in the morning and got, you know, three or four hours of sleep because we didn't get in there till one o'clock and, um, hiked up in the morning before, before light. We got up on top of that ridge before it got light out. And, uh, we started sneaking around these ridges and I didn't hear, uh, single bugle for a little while and then <clears throat> my dad's like Ben is that bugle like, I, I he's like yeah I think that was a bugle like, alright you're making stuff up but I'll I'll act like uh, I'll act like I believe you so we go sneaking down there and I um, also I hear like a ooh, 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 and he's so I'm like okay yeah maybe that was a bugle so I go sneaking down there and um, as soon as I pop up just creep up over the top of this uh, ridge. I see a w- big whale tail of a six by six elk um, 
walking along and he's i think i pull up my range finder i ranged him at 80 80 yards and but he was already working his way down and by the time i put my range finder down and it was it was so thick and uh by the time I put my range finder down and he probably would have been past that and i seen him last i seen him was going down um into the bottom and then i kind of crept along the one side and then i hear bugle all the way up on the other side of the canyon again i'm like great never gonna catch up to this bull and i was like all right i'll just keep on following this canyon down and uh follow this ridge down to where it met some other ridges and then i hear this bull bugle and he's way the heck out there I'm like all right it's like it's getting 10 o'clock and i don't want to be like debbie downer that it can't happen in the middle of the day but um in new mexico once it gets hot the elk would find a nice shady uh shady tree or shady juniper on a bench and they'll bed down in the middle of the day so um yeah we went back to the truck um after that yeah that was the second morning so we went back to the truck and kind of regrouped a little bit shot some arrows um then I was just dinking around my GPS and I seen like a little thing that said a spring back in basically where I had last seen that bull, but just we, so we decided how about we put tent, put our tent and all of our gear to stay the night, um, on our backs. And then we'll just go to the spring and we'll see if there's any water there and it will sit over it tonight. And then we'll hike up further in and then set up camp overnight. And then we can be um, right into elk country um, fairly, fairly easily in the morning. Cause it, it was quite a trek back there. And so, yeah, we got our camp all on our backs and everything. And, um, and as soon as we start to get closer to this tank, I see a shredded tree and I see a bunch of elk tracks and we're getting close to this tank. And there's more shredded trees just from elk, uh, from bulls just busting it up. And um, we finally get up to this tank, and which is basically like a little puddle um, in this. It's not really even a two-track. It's just a little puddle in this trail. And uh, my dad's eyes get so big. I'm just like, yeah, I think there's some elk here. My dad's like, yeah, you think there's some elk here? He's like, you could probably punch your tag right now if you wanted to. Cause like, Ben, we're going to kill something tonight. Like, um, okay. And so we, uh, we basically sat, we sat 30 yards off from that, uh, basically a puddle just downwind of it. And we sat there and it was starting to get dark. Like the sun was about ready to set. And I'm just, um, thinking okay yeah we're gonna set up camp tomorrow or we're gonna set up camp tonight hunt wherever tomorrow morning and uh also my dad says to me ben you hear that like yeah (laughs) i hear uh you hear that uh footsteps of an elk coming down the coming down this ridge and my dad's like ben it's a five by five and it's like a 320 and like okay i don't know how you could tell it's like through the trees and uh, about a uh, 120 yards away and I could hardly see its antlers and this bull comes in to about 80 yards and it just stops and then it kind of looks in our direction and it's like great and I'm, I'm like sure enough yeah this is a 
pretty big bull. And this bull takes a couple more steps and he stops and he scans. And it's almost like uh, what a what a whitetail would do. And I, I elk normally aren't that weary, but um, it's basically what a whitetail would do. And then he got in a little bit closer, and then he got into about 50 yards. And I was like, Dad, should I shoot him now? And he's like, No, just wait for him. Might as well just wait for him to come right into the water. And uh, so this bull comes in and he's like facing right at me. And so I didn't want to draw my bow because I don't know how long he's going to be facing at me. So then he kind of pivoted over and he was slightly, slightly quartering at me and he put his head down to drink and I slowly drew my bow. And yeah, he was 30 yards, put my 30 yard pin right on him and shot him. And where I seen the arrow hit, I'm like, Oh great. I hit him pretty good. And he, takes off and i see where the arrow is sticking out one the arrow didn't pass all the way through it it was still kind of dangling yeah but that arrow exited low and like behind the rib cage so i'm just kind of rolling my eyes like great i didn't realize he was quartering that much towards me and so this bull goes running up the ridge kind of back where he came from he's about 100 yards away and I see his head's down, he's acting hurt, and then um, all of a sudden I see, I, it was kind of thick, so I couldn't really tell what was all going on. I could just see his whitish body, and I could see his head down, and all of a sudden I see uh, feet walking up to him. I'm like, what the heck? And it wasn't like a, you know, a elk or a deer. I'm like, this is like big feet walking up to him. I'm like, what the heck is that? And all of a sudden it comes out, and there's a bear like 20 yards behind him. And I'm like, great, this bear is going to scare this elk, and I'm not going to see this elk. He's going to run another quarter mile or so. And this bear, it wasn't a very big bear, but looks at him, this elk turns around, the elk looks at the bear, and then that was about it. And then the bear the bear started walking down, and he actually came into the water hole, and um, he took a couple of drinks, and then he took off. And this bull is just not going down. And I'm, I even asked my dad, like, you think I should just sneak up there and put another arrow in? I was like, no, no, don't do that because you're just going to spook him. We'll never see him. And so then this bull, it, he finally sat down, but his head was still up. And then you could see the, the rack. It was vertical. And then you see the rack kind of tilt over the side. And then he'd pick it back up. And this was going on for maybe a half hour or something. So I think I probably got one lung and liver, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I obviously didn't do lungs because he would have been donezo. Yeah. But while this bull is up there, um, a six by six, and I almost guarantee you it was a six, the six by six that I seen um, that morning because he had the same kind of a whale tail. Like the whale tail didn't split off like really big. It was just like, I don't know. Um, it basically, the main beam went straight back and then his other one went straight up and it was like the same exact size as, um, this bull I seen that morning and this bull comes in, right? He has no idea this other bull is up there and this bull comes into the water and he just bugles out a big old bugle. And then this bull's done drinking and he walks straight up to us. And this bull is literally 10 yards away from us. And, uh, yeah, too bad me and too bad my dad and I didn't put in together because he could have totally shot this one. This one was probably about a 300 inch six by six. Wow. And, uh, yeah, 
that bull went back and um, back to the uh, water hole. And then by that time, I was paying attention to that six by six. And then my five by five had expired and started rolling down the hill. And then that scared off the six by six. And then, yeah, I'm like, well, I guess I'll grab, start doing, start doing the heavy pack out. And it wasn't that bad of a pack out. It was only three quarters of a mile. And I think between me and my dad, we made it in, uh, I think three, four trips. But yeah, it wasn't that bad of a pack out because it was pretty flat. And the funny, the funny thing is, um, we were packing this bull out. And the last last load we had was the antlers, and um, I cut off the ribs with a saw, and that was our last load. And that last load, there was a bunch of guts that were pulled out from some some animal had grabbed it already. Um, oh wow! As we were grips, yeah. So uh, there was a bunch of uh, lung and guts that were pulled out of it. So. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that animals would get on it that quick, but um, sounds I like guess they, they do. Maybe it was that. Quick. I don't know. Yeah. So while you're yeah, so, that was kind of- so the first year, yeah, obviously you're real young. Probably, you know, I don't know what a what a twelve year old does and doesn't know. But then you go back a handful of years later and you shoot one with a bow. Did did the archery hunt feel more rewarding than the muzzleloader hunt? Yeah, because um, I kind of the a lot of the decisions were up to me. Um, I did you know bounce ideas up, up off my dad and stuff, which really really helps. But um, it feel, felt like it was more like instead of um, my dad hunting and I was just tagging along. It seemed all right. So then after that New Mexico hunt, uh, you went back out west what the next year or the next two years yeah 2018 i uh went back out that was 2018 the new mexico hunt what year was that 2018 the new mexico hunt yeah that was 2017 okay 2017 for the uh for new mexico and then you went out west again on what for two two elk hunts on the same year. Yeah, that wasn't the plan, but um, yeah, the original plan was me to just go to Wyoming, and that was that was just it. It was just going to be me to go to Wyoming and go with my dad. Right. And um, yeah, I I've been I can't really say I've been building points for the past. Uh, man, 10, however many years, because my dad's been putting in for points in Wyoming before I, I even knew what points were. So I can't really <laughs> say I've been putting in points. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been very blessed that he puts in for points um, for me back in the day. Now I do it, but um, yeah, before I even really knew what points were, he was putting in. Yeah, I bought you a Wyoming point. I, I kind of feel like a spoiled kid having my dad uh put in for points for all these different states but you know it he likes he likes seeing you know uh me and my brother hunting and shooting stuff almost more than more than he 
himself hunting. So right. So how many yeah. points did you cash in on this uh, on this Wyoming hunt? Oh, 11. 11? And, uh, max points. Yeah, max points was twelve for that for that unit. Yeah. Holy yep. cow! So you, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm taking it. This was a really good unit for trophy for trophy bulls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to try to guess where it's at, but uh, uh, was this a mountain hunt or was this more to the eastern side of the state? This was a mountain hunt. A mountain for hunt. Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, yep. was this in grizzly bear country? No. No. Okay. No. All right. So, eleven points you cashed in. Uh, that is, uh, that's amazing. And uh, did you yeah. did you give your dad a big hug for that and a big thank you for collecting points? I, I've given a couple hugs when, uh, yeah, when we were all hunting, but I don't know if it was specifically just for collecting points but yeah he, he he knows i'm pretty thankful for it right right that's awesome man that's something i should start doing then by the time my son's old enough to hunt he'll have uh or you know take him out there when he's 14 he'll have 10 points yeah for sure i would i would definitely recommend that i know some some dads that i've talked to are like why would i spend money on my kids he can buy his own points it's like well if you like elk hunting and you really don't care if your son's the shooter. You, I mean, you might as well put in for points for him if you got, you know, any little bit of extra cash to spend on points. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, you go out to Wyoming, uh, you're, you're doing a mountain hunt, really good unit. Um, what kind of scouting did you guys do before that? Um, Basically, the scouting I did was went over to my buddy's archery shop and said, hey, <laughs> you've been to this unit, right? And he's like, yeah. And and basically, I said, hey, you know anything about this mountain range? And he's like, yeah, there's elk in there. And he's like, yeah, there's just basically drew a couple circles on the map. And that was all the scouting I did. We uh, arrived there the night before the season, or before I first started hunting. The, the elk season in Wyoming is pretty long so it's not like new mexico where you either draw the first two weeks or the second two weeks um you can hunt wherever i picked the second and third week of september so i mean i guess i was just hunting and scouting at the same time a little bit you could say yeah but yeah i'd never been to the unit before so so mm-hmm. was was this a a backpack uh tent backcountry type hunt or did you guys go back to a car or a cabin every night it was just back to the truck, and I think eventually it would have turned into a back backcountry hunt, and you can definitely, that unit's uh, vast enough that you could definitely do that, and it actually may have been smarter to do that, Right. but this was, we were just going from the truck. And you guys were sleeping uh, in your truck then? Yeah, we're sleeping in the truck when we were on the road, and then when we were we actually set up camp the night before uh, I started hunting. So we slept in the tent and that was the most windiest night I've ever slept in a tent. <laughs> like it was the guy line, the guy lines we were look in hindsight. It was not that grave a spot to put a tent. Cause it was like right on the top of a ridge and a saddle. So all that wind is gushing through there. And the guy lines of my uh, little tent are just vibrant like, all night. And some, 
somehow I fell asleep that night, but nice. Yeah, that was that was pretty windy. I thought we were gonna wake up to it with uh, no tent in the morning. Right, right. That's crazy. Um, so the the first morning that you guys went out, did you see any elk? Hear any elk? Were you uh, pleasantly surprised or were you disappointed? Yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. That first morning, we were up on this ridge um, before it turned before it turned light out, so we were all ready. I felt like we were in elk country, and that's what uh, something I really should stress is before it even gets light, you need to basically be tiptoeing your way up where the elk are so that you can be right in them when it gets first light because that those first two hours can be um, either all you get or those first two hours can be the most magical um, time. So I would definitely recommend those people that haven't elk hunted a whole lot, you know, get up on these high benches um, right as it's breaking daylight or maybe a, you don't want to be bumping elk, but um, get right up in them when it's breaking daylight. Okay. So yeah, that's that's exactly what we did. And right away, I spotted a little little five by five and a four by four, and they were they were too small. I got within a hundred yards of them. And uh, um, so you're you're to the point yeah. you're to the point now in your your elk hunting career where you've shot two bulls, and now you're. I mean, have did you have a goal going into this? I, I take it when you have, you know, 11 points and a, you know, even though you're young and it's technically only your third, you know, only your third elk hunt, um, when you're cashing in 11 points in a unit like that, there's some kind of holdout for a higher quality bull. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, uh, there should have been, but, um, <laughs> I got a little bit trigger happy, I guess you could say, or I, I didn't really judge the bull that great, but, um, yeah, that, that, that was the goal. I should say that was the goal. Okay. So, so then, uh, did you see any like really big elk on that trip then? Um, no, not, uh, not in Wyoming. No. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I went, that first morning I heard a bugle down this ridge. And so I just kind of like left my dad a little bit behind me and he, I figured eventually <laughs> he doesn't mind if he gets left. He'll just like, he'll just mosey around and look for shed antlers or whatever, look for what, um, listen for more bugles and stuff. He doesn't mind if we separate. And that's what's pretty cool about my dad. Like he doesn't get, too worried about stuff like if i left him and we didn't see each other till like the next day he'd be like oh hey how's it going if we were to see each other like yeah he doesn't get too worked up or anything if i i were to leave him so i actually ended up leaving him and i set my bugle tube down and i just glassed off this ridge and then i hear this bull just scream so i'm like oh pack up all my stuff pack up my binos and i start creeping down this <laughs> ridge a little bit and i get to uh get to where i think i'm getting closer and i realize crap i left my bugle tube where i last was and and i was at such a such a uh complex situation and, and like man i need that bugle tube but this bull's bugling over here so i kept going closer after this bull and uh, eventually i um he quit bugling and i couldn't really tell where he was at 
And so I just um, went back to see if I could find my bugle tube. Well, I actually ended up finding my dad. And so then we kind of hunted together. And then he let off a bugle and his other bull bugled again. So we uh, started creeping in closer. And um, I always take advice from my dad pretty seriously because he, he knows, um, he, he really knows what's up. And I was creeping into this bull way too fast. And I actually ended up basically going, exposing myself way too much. And I seen a whale tail turn and I heard this bull take off. And I got back to my dad. I'm like, yeah, dad, I tried to sneak up against this, up to this bull. And he, I, I must have spooked him or something. Or he caught my wind. He's like, he's like Ben, you were going way too fast. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll slow down, I guess. Yeah, that was the end of that bull. And then we we heard another bull bugling, and this was all before noon. Yeah. And so we tried getting on that bull, and then um, that that didn't work out, and um, couldn't hear that bull bugling. And there's there's a lot of people that think elk hunting you need to go around and you bugle and you wait for them to come in, and that's like my dad almost laughs when he hears people say that because he's basically, if you, if you hear him bugling, you know where they are. You can sneak up on them. Um, it's, they're not, not, not like a whitetail. You can, you can sneak up on them and just get in the herd at least and make moves from there. Um, basically that's what we, why we bugle is just to, uh, get them to bugle and then you sneak up in on them. Like I, of the elk I've killed, I've never called one in to kill it. And, um, but yeah, we, um, hiked around for a little bit that day and ended up sitting on just a kind of a rock outcropping on this big valley. And this is a, this is the first night. And my dad's seen a smaller bull run across this valley and it's pretty thick but he just seen it going through the trees and it was all covered in um mud because it was wallowing and then all of a sudden he's like okay there's a cow and then there's a calf and then i put my binoculars and i see this big bull right behind it and there, there what we're hunting was a big main drainage and then there's a secondary drainage coming off from that and they were on the other side of the secondary drainage so they were coming down and they were going to come up on our side. So I grab my bow and I sneak over to where I think they're going to come up on my side. So, um, I, the look I got through the binoculars at this bull's antlers, I thought he was pretty good when he, you know, he had, you know, everything. And so I'm crouched down by this bush waiting for these elk to come in and i was thinking about getting a little bit closer until i seen this cow the butt of the cow so i knew they were going to come up here because there was it was me on the edge of this not so much a cliff but it was a little bit of a rise and then there was a rock wall that was behind them so i knew they had to be between me and that rock wall as they were coming up and i ranged that rock wall and it was 54 yards so all of a sudden that cow and that calf start coming up this trail and I'm just holding still hoping that they're not going to see me. And I'm, I realized that I'm kind of skylined because I had just creeped up over top of this little rise here. 
and they came through and then she's about red she's about 25 yards away from me and she's kind of they're kind of working their way quartering towards me up this hill and that she got about 25 yards from me and she looks at me and this bull has no idea what's going on and i see him walking right in this basically a shooting lane that i could shoot him and he was you know probably five yards in front of this rock rock wall so he's probably about 50 well i can't draw because this cow's looking right at me and i don't i know if i blow out her i'm gonna blow out him so i just kind of waited for him to come up and there was a rock, big rock between where this bull was where i could uh, there's a big rock between this bull and me and all of a sudden she goes and barks and she takes off with a calf going down the hill. I drew my bow as soon as um, she did that. And all of a sudden that bull that was behind that rock gets out into this opening. I go, Meah! and I stop him. And I knew he was, he wasn't 50 and I knew he was past 40. So I put my 40 yard pin a little bit high on him and he was quartering at me a little bit. I didn't realize how much he was quartering at me, but he was quartering at me a decent amount and, I shot him, I seen where the arrow hit, and it looked like I tendering him. And so I'm like, sweet. And so he goes goes down the uh, into this valley a little ways, and I take my bow and my rangefinder, and I run to the edge of this cliff, because now I'm cliffed out because it was pretty steep going down this cliff. And I see this bull, and I range him. He's at 67 yards. He's sitting there with... Uh, just kind of looking around and so i range about 67 yards draw back again i shot shot him uh right behind the front shoulder but he was um way too quartering away i don't think it did a whole lot and then he took a couple steps and he was facing straight away and he was kind of going up a hill a little way so i knew um i knew i had to get another arrow into him just because i wasn't sure about that first shot yeah so I drew back again and just basically put it right on his tail and I shot him again. And, uh, so yeah, then he, he ran off after that. And so we gave him a fair amount of time cause I wasn't sure how, uh, quite where I hit him. So we gave him a little bit of time and my dad's like, I didn't realize you were going to start shooting until I see you shoot. And then you shot again. And then you shot again. Like, yeah, I got three arrows into him. So, yeah, hopefully. Uh, so you, hopefully you ended up getting three and... arrows into this bull. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. So you got yep. you got three arrows into him. Uh, he runs away. How long until you found him? Um, we gave him about a half hour because I was pretty confident on that first shot where it landed. We give him a half hour, and then we figured we'll just we'll just go over this little rise and just glass from there. And um, we got over this little rise, and we didn't see it. And then we, um, I didn't have a whole lot of blood, but um, we just kind of kept creeping along, creeping along, and then uh, we found we ended up finding this bull probably 15 minutes after we started looking. And I I told my dad it was like the bull I shot last year. Uh, five by five except i said i think this one's a five by six so i said it said uh size wise it's just like that one that i shot last year so he's kind of oh yeah i guess you know whatever you shoot one like you shot last year and um you know it's a pretty pretty good bull 
and then I got up to the thing and the thing was like I'd say it's about 30 to 40 inches smaller than what, what I thought he was like I'm I'm pretty happy with him but it was it was not quite what I thought he was right but uh yeah well but yeah the a successful a, su- yeah. a successful archery hunt nonetheless and that in itself is I mean lo- yeah. a lot to say there yeah yeah I kind of said you know I'm, at that time I was 23 I'm like you know what I'm pretty pumped about him just because it's only your third you know, elk so. I haven't even shot an elk yeah. yet right so <laughs> here you are you go uh, on you go on three elk trips and you're you're three for three right yep yep and then uh and we're running out of time here uh but you end up right after that hunt you end up going to colorado and you harvest another bull as well yeah i'll give you the quick and uh abridged version of that yeah, yeah we uh brought that the wyoming bull to a processor and we're like all right well let's go to, over the counter so my dad and i um both got over the counter tags so i actually had him bring his bow as well just in case if we were to come hunt over the counter so he had his bow as well and we both got uh tags well we hunted and hunted for so long and i actually ended up getting sick i don't know what it was from a lot of people said altitude but normally altitude doesn't bother me that much so um, I got sick, so I couldn't hunt a couple days just because I could hardly stand opening my eyes because the light hurt so bad. But um, we we basically, I felt like we drove all over Colorado trying to find places to hunt, and I we I almost gave up. Um, we went back into town, and my buddy said, "Hey, how about you just you just try out my spot, um, just see if there's any elk there." And so we drove back into there and we, we arrived there, I think it was like 1230 at night. And it was like the, it was like two miles of two tracks, but it took us probably two hours. It was so bad. And then we finally get there. We think nobody else in the world is going to be back here. We get there and there's 22 vehicles parked at this trailhead. 22. And like, what? 22. And there was more, um, other there was ATVs from camps um, down the down the road as well going in there. So I'm like, there are so many people in here. So we slept in that morning and we hiked in about two o'clock with our bows on our backs and camp on our backs. We were planning on just camping one night. We we're gonna give it one last go because we hunted over the counter that in Colorado for this probably day seven or so. Um, so we get in there and it's like, man, this is, seems pretty elky. And we get in there and my dad's like, Ben, there's a bull. And like, I haven't, I haven't seen an elk hardly, um, in the past seven days. So I basically ripped my pack off, tried grabbing my bow and, uh, my don't ever do this, but my rangefinder was like in the bottom, like in all my camping gear. And, uh, it was way down there so this bull comes in and basically if you were to stick your arms up in the air and then like tilt them that's this bull coming through the timber like he had to go under this branch and he tilts his head going under this branch and just lets out a big old big old bugle and he's coming up this hill behind these cows and i have this shot opportunity i drew back and i shot and i missed him 
and I originally thought I hit him, but um, yeah, he walked off, and I found my arrow. There's no blood on it, and so we kept following this bull. And I was had an opportunity on a cow. I'm like, man, it's so hard to shoot a cow while you have a bull bugling. But they were slowly going down down this mountain, and we passed this wallow with a nice meadow out there, and. We're like, all right, well, let's keep going. Maybe we'll come back to that later. So we kept going, and we heard this bull bugle, and he was way, way out there. It's like, all right, screw it. We'll just sit on this wallow for tonight and see if anything comes in. So we sat on this wallow for an hour or so, just my dad and I. And all of a sudden, we hear this bull bugle. And we're like, oh, wow, that sounded like it was about 200 yards away. A little bit later, this bull bugles again. It's like, man, he's coming. So we're, we're both getting ready with our bows, and... Um, my dad's looking into the timber, like thinking where he's going to come out. And all of a sudden this bull pops out at 30 yards and he's standing right there. And I'm like, sorry, dad, I might be this one too. It's my true back. And, and I think I whispered, there he is. I was drawn back and I drew back and I punched him right there and hit him really good. And my dad didn't realize how well I hit him and, and he might as well. So he, we flung one at him at the elk too, and the elk died right there before us. And um, yeah, wow. we got two two bulls. That was a six by six. Two so, yeah, two bulls two. in one trip. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So you got full mm-hmm. four good bulls under your belt. Do you have Do you have a room in your house or or uh, that you are hanging all these things? Because four elk of any size takes up a lot of space. Yeah, I think most people would hate me for this, but the uh, the five by five from 2007 you got European mounted. That looks cool. The uh, the New Mexico one, which is the biggest one, I got that one mounted, <laughs> and it's sitting downstairs collecting dust on the floor because I can't. I don't know. I have no idea where to put it. <laughs> and then the other two, the yeah, the other two from last year, I was going to do a European mounted, but I just threw them in the garage. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if uh, too many people would do that, but I was just like, well, I don't know. Hopefully, I can get something a little bit better than those. But yeah, I didn't. I haven't. I need to hang up that one from New Mexico sooner or later. But it's been <laughs> almost two years, so I don't, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So wow. uh, yeah. well, four for four on elk uh, seems really yeah. good. Uh, hopefully, your luck can. Yeah. T- continues and if you uh have any leftover luck uh kind of send it my way because i would love some all right yeah yeah i'm gonna need it uh need some leftover luck this year though too yeah i'm going back out so yeah colorado or where are you heading um if you can believe it or not that remember that unit in new mexico that i drew in 2007 and 2017 and it's like a I don't know. It's less than ten percent chance of drawing. You got it again. Yeah, huh? I, I somehow, I somehow drew that again this year. So yeah, every everybody's giving me hate for it because they're like, "What? Who'd you have to pay in New Mexico to draw that?" Again? <laughs> yeah, I somehow drew that again this year, and actually the the original plan was to go to Wyoming because my dad and my brother they were trying to hold out for a little bit better unit of where I went last year, but they're like, we're never going to catch this point creep. And now with everybody going out West hunting, the the point creep is so bad. So they're going to go to the same unit in Wyoming where I was last year. Yeah. I'm going to have a cow tag on that unit. And then so is my uh, sister's fiance. So we're, 
we're all all four of us are going out there but then i drew new mexico so i'm gonna be going out to new mexico either by myself or my mom says she'll come with me so uh yeah that's gonna be a adventure this year so that'll be awesome action-packed yeah well hey man i really appreciate you taking your time uh today on the podcast uh chatting with us sharing those uh epic uh, elk stories and uh hopefully you can uh, get another one in the books this upcoming year man and that brings us to the end of this friday edition podcast huge shout out to ben for taking time out of his day thank you each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen and uh, be part of this community that we've created man really appreciate that if you like it go to iTunes leave a five star review I would really appreciate it let everybody know that you like this podcast at the same time be sure you're following us on social media uh, Instagram and Facebook both Nine Finger Chronicles and Sportsman's Nation Uh, I'd appreciate that Uh, huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast Lone Wolf Tree Stands Ripcord Arrow Rest Wasp Broadheads, Ozonic Scent Elimination, Prime Archery, and Vortex Optics. Man, without those companies, this is not possible. And uh, I'd be sitting in a cubicle still, uh, probably, or going back to one. And I'm glad I'm not. I'm in a little closet producing all these podcasts for you guys. Uh, Other than that, man, I'm going to keep this outro pretty short. Go have an excellent weekend. Crack a couple beers. Spend some time with your family and your loved one. If there's a if there's a family member or a loved one that you haven't talked with in a long time, call them up, say hi, shoot the shit with them for a little bit, and uh, man, just uh, be kind to one another. And if you are going to be in a tree stand. Wear your damn safety harness. Happy Friday.